You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Friday, April 22nd, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake here with Jared Dillian, uh, author, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap newsletter. Hi, Jared. How are you? Hey, what's up? I am not sitting in my usual location. You're in your usual studio, but I am traveling. I'm in D.C. for an energy conference happening tomorrow because I am a dork, Um, but I'm excited about it. But then everything got blown out of the water by this market action today, right? We're sort of ending the week on a really ugly note. We've got, uh, and it was really accelerating during the day, which I know is worrying for everyone. And as we close out here, we've got the Dow down what, almost a 1,000 points, over 2.5% loss, over 2.5% loss for the NASDAQ, uh, rather S&P 500, close up for the NASDAQ. And we'll, we'll see where we settle. It may even be more than that. It's 2.8 on the Dow. We've got the VIX up sharply over 20%. Uh, so we're really sort of seeing this all come together. We're going we're gonna to break it down. I want to get your thoughts. But first, um, Raul was originally going to be on the daily briefing today. He wasn't able to make it, but he's watching the market action. I know all of you, your, all your sort of senses are up when you see this. So Raul wanted to send this market update to share some of his thoughts. So let's listen to that first. Hi, everyone. Just a very quick update from me. Look, the markets, I was expecting the markets to have found some sort of traction to the upside. Um, and that failed. So my DMARC counts had failed. I haven't shared many of these with people, but I just thought the, the setup was getting concerning enough that I should put an update out over at Real Vision Daily Briefing. So what I've seen is that the market rejection of the of this recent rally has been fast and severe. What's really interesting is things like energy stocks have been slammed as well. Oil stopped going up. Commodities are going down. The dollar's going up significantly. Um, bond yields have stopped rising. If the NASDAQ breaks the um, recent low, it's forming a large head and shoulders top. You can see it on my Twitter feed where I've just written about this. If that is to go, then we've got a significant amount of downside to come in the coming weeks. And it feels like this rolls into the summer if that's the case. And we could have a sharp correlation of one sell-off where everything sells off at the same time and every position gets taken out and shot. So whether you're long oil, long gold, long gold miners, short bonds, all the trades everyone's got on, the whole lot gets taken out, including the equity markets. Be really careful. We knew that the interest rate market was going to break something. Feels like it's going to break the equity market. And I think growth will follow, meaning that the growth of the economy will follow. I do think eventually this is the thing that's going to stop the bond market rising and the turnaround in yields that I've been looking for. So it's part of my big picture view. I didn't think we were going to get accelerated downside in equities. I thought something else would break first, whether it was going to be China or Japan. But it feels like it's potential to be equities. So look, there's no certainties out there. I don't know. Um, I have been buying the kind of riskier growth names into weakness over a period of eight weeks, and I've only just started that. So I'm kind of looking for this downside to layer into positions of stuff that I want to get into. Um, I know a lot of you are interested in crypto. Obviously, crypto will get 
um, caught up in this and will go lower, but I think we're all used to that going up and down right now. I don't think it takes out the low, so I think it's just more noise within this wide sloppy range we've been in for the last year and a bit. Um, but it could scare a few people. So look, just be careful out there. There's no certainties. I don't know. I'm not trying to sound the alarm. I'm just trying to sound the caution to say, look, be careful. Things are uglier than they seem. And the interest rate market, as ever, is going to break something right at the top of the chart of truth. Something always breaks and it feels like it's going to be everybody's portfolio. Good luck. It's a lot to take in. I, I I saw that and I was like, wow, okay, clearly, you know, Ralph's concerned in the idea that something's going to break and it's something in everyone's portfolio. A lot of concern um, in his update, Jared. Um, how are you feeling? Do you share that same concern? Yeah, it's a big shit sandwich. <laughs> it's really, it's really bad. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, we put in the lows three or four weeks ago and we bounced off the lows and... Uh, we've sort of been trading in a range for the last couple of weeks, and it's, um, you know, I was I was pretty neutral, but, you know, I, I've been seeing some interesting stuff. I saw a chart recently um, that showed basically the change in two-year no interest rates going back over, like, the last 50 years. And the last time we've had this big of a change in two-year interest rates, guess the year, 1987. 1987 yeah so it really made me think sort of just generally about the idea that you know you go back to these points in time in history where interest rates back up a lot and it breaks things i mean it happened in 1994 1994 you had 10-year interest rates go up about two two and a half percent and you had all these derivatives blow-ups you had procter and gamble and orange county and stuff like that and it's really not the magnitude of the move in interest rates. It's really about the speed. And this has been a very mm -hmm. fast move. Um, and I think that's mostly what's responsible <clears throat> for this move in stocks the last couple of days. I think you bring up an excellent point in the speed. Jim Bianco yesterday said, said something to me that really struck me. And he's like, the system's just not built for this. You know, when you see this, and, and by the way, you're seeing it in treasuries, supposed to be a you know safe haven, relatively risk-free. You're also seeing it in the yen, right? The other, another vehicle that's supposed to be pretty, you know, these are supposed to be pretty steady markets and you're seeing these really, really rapid moves. And you just worry, made me nervous when you said derivatives, Jared. I mean, like, have you seen anything going on in the market and in those kind of areas that would be cause for concern? No, I mean, I haven't. Um, I don't really, I don't have any reason to believe that, you know, there's someone or something out there that has a huge amount of exposure. Um, but somebody has the exposure. I mean, it's, it's a zero sum game. So, you know, somebody's long duration and somebody's short duration. So somebody's on the wrong end of this. Um, but uh, I mean, that's really, that's really a, an issue about the financial system plumbing. You know, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the overall point here is that you know higher interest rates are going to choke off the economy, and um, it's it's a bit of a high prices are the cure for high prices. You know the interesting thing is is that as as we go around in our daily lives, inflation is everywhere, right? We see it in stores, we see it on Amazon, we see it when we shop for flights or hotels. Inflation is everywhere. In our discussions with friends and colleagues, we talk about inflation. We hear about it on the radio. We see it on TV. We read it. We read about it on the internet. 
and it's become so pervasive, my guess is that we are going to be talking about something else six months from now. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a recession. That's probably what it is. But we've, we've really reached peak inflation panic. We've reached peak inflation panic. And, you know, the last week or so, commodities have not done so well. You know, energy sold off a little bit. Nags have sold off a little bit. Um, XLE has come down. And I think, that's, I think that's kind of an early warning sign. Yeah, that I, I, and I noticed that today, by the way. And that, that's the other thing about today. I want to ask you about that peak inflation about a second. The other, the other interesting thing about today is everything's down. Everything's getting killed. Um, there doesn't seem to be anywhere to hide. Um, is that significant? Or, you know, what, and, and how should investors think about that? Well, there is some place to hide. There is some place to hide, and that's in treasuries, right? Which is very counterintuitive because treasuries have just gotten slaughtered for the last six months. But um, if you if you listen to Raul, and you th- and that happens, like this scenario that laid out, that he laid out, if that actually happens, mm-hmm. the one place to hide will be treasuries, and that's actually something that I've done in the last couple of days. And I've done with my support. Yeah, you've been well. talking about that, which does seem counterintuitive, especially I, I even asked you, you, you tweeted about, and I love this because but you, Raul, Jim Bianco, there's been a drumbeat of people saying, I got a spidey sense. I don't feel good. This doesn't feel good. And, and this was before we saw this bloodbath today. But, uh, you know, to hear that and then to say, hear you talking about buying bonds does seem strange to people. So walk us through the rationale there. Well, and are you buying bonds? Where are you buying them? Let me, let me just tell you a story. So I go on, there's a local um, radio show that I go on every Thursday morning. And I'm like the finance guy that they bring on once a week and I talk about financial stuff. So after I left the show, I got a Facebook message from somebody who listens to the show and it was this woman. And she said, hey, uh, I heard you on the show. I'm applying for a mortgage. When should I lock in rates? So I said, well... My opinion, not investment advice, but my opinion is that rates are going to go down. And she said, well, why? Because everything I read says that interest rates are going to go up. And I said, that is why interest rates are going to go down. (laughs) Spoken spoken like a true trader. There's too much consensus. When there's 100% consensus, then history. It tells you usually it's the other way. But what does that, in fact, I, I think that we've got actually a question on this very issue um, from Ross on the exchange. Uh, you recently mentioned on Twitter, you see the U.S. 10-year yield reversing soon. Can you expand on why you see this happening? You know, people ask me that stuff all the time. You know, like, what are your reasons? And all I can really say is, you know, what I just mentioned before, I mean, we are at peak inflation panic. You scroll through Twitter and it's all charts on interest rates, these parabolic move in, moves in interest rates. It's all people are talking about. This is pure sentiment. We actually, we don't know what the catalyst is going to be. Maybe it's the French election. Maybe Sunday they're going to elect Le Pen and we're going to walk in mm-hmm. Monday morning and bonds are up a point and a half. Like, I don't know what the catalyst is going to be. All I'm looking at, the chart is at exhaustion. Sentiment is peaked. You know, that's... If you if you wait for the reason, then you'll miss half the trade. Well, especially if things move as quickly as they've been moving. 
Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Is, is, we, you know, I think we also are seeing, and the reason people are struggling with this is we're seeing the Fed continue, you know, the kind of hawkish rhetoric. We're going to do 50, maybe 75. Let's front load policy change. Are we likely to see treasury prices? move ahead of any Fed? In, in other words, the Fed can still say sound hawkish, but Treasury yields start to recognize that recession's coming or things are overdone or, or a policy, you know, maybe they're going to be sort of behind the curve again in recognizing the, the, the sort of fallout from high interest rates. Would we see Treasuries move before the Fed starts to change their rhetoric? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What you're going to see is a massive inversion of the real curve, right? So, you know, twos, are, I think, are like 270 or something like that. I mean, you're going to see a yield curve where twos are 3% and tens are 2%. And it's going to be a massively inverted yield curve. And, and basically, I mean, we're going to be pricing in a very severe recession, which won't happen until next year. But that's what the yield curve is going to be pricing in. So, you know, it, it, when I say buy bonds, like, you know, people say, what bonds do you buy? I mean, you want to buy duration. You want to buy the long long maturities, 10s, 20s, 30s. Mm. Yeah, because the front end is what's feeling that right now responding to the Fed, right? They, uh, and, and all of the anticipation of the rate that hikes are coming. Do you think the front end is appropriately pricing Fed policy? Because I've heard people say, listen, they're going to do more for longer. And yeah, rates have gone up, but they're still not where they need to be if the Fed is able to carry out its plan. Does that uh, I, sound plausible or is the I mean, I saw something to today. I saw something today that said that uh, we're pricing in like almost three and a half percent Fed funds in March of next year. So 12 months from now, three and a half percent Fed funds. Um, it, and tens are at, I don't know. I mean, not tens, twos, twos are at 270 or something like that. Uh, I think the market is pricing it in correctly because, mm. you know, if you do see this big inversion in the yield curve, um, the Fed is going to have to slow down or stop. So I don't, I don't, you know, actually, if you, if you looked at like March 23 Fed funds futures, I don't know where they are, but I would actually, I would be a better buyer. So. Mm. Uh, I love it. I, and I don't, I don't know. Do you think that's a contrarian view, Jared, or are you just saying it while everyone else is sort of thinking it? I, uh, when I, when I mean everyone else, I mean, you know, sort of the more seasoned, uh, professionals, or do you feel like everyone's like you're crazy? That's totally contrarian. Uh, I think people think it's crazy to buy bonds. You know, I mean, we're kind of, you know, we're we're almost to where we were in like 1979 when we were calling them certificates of con- confiscation. You know, where they just, you know, they just went down every day. And ironically, that was the best time to buy bonds. You know, they were trading at, you know, 40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar. It was the best time to buy bonds of all time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I look, I know some I know I do know some people that agree with me for sure. But, you know, whenever I tweet this stuff out about the bond market, like I, you know, I get all the hate raid, you know, like people, people come <laughs> after me. So, 
Um, which is why you're brave to do it. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't take much for people to come after anybody these days, it seems like. Um, great question from John. Uh, could the other reason for bonds going up be because Apple, Microsoft, Google, te Google, Tesla are now starting to break down? These were the places everyone was running to hide. Now with yields at 3%, bonds become attractive. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've gotten that question a lot. Like people say, all right, well, if we're going to get a rally in duration, if we get a rally of bonds, does that mean that tech stocks are going to outperform? And I, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, it, it, it could be possibly. Um, I, don't really, I don't really have a view on that. I don't. Um, but I, what I will say is that when interest rates are going down, growth tends to outperform. And when it, you know, it's not just a matter of interest rates, it's really real interest rates. When real interest rates are going down, growth tends to outperform. And when real interest rates are going up, value tends to outperform. Um, I don't, I don't like in my portfolio, I don't really have like a growth or value tilt. Um, mm. I'm kind of agnostic at this point, but, um, yeah. It, there, we, you know, when we see these sort of losses, a lot of people were conditioned to, uh, think things look cheap, you know, and that we're going to have a rebound because that's what happens now, right? Like things get totally trashed and then you'd see the, the bounce, maybe not a V bounce, but a bounce. Could we be in this sort of painful situation and just move sideways for an extended period of time? It has happened in the past. It hasn't happened recently. Yeah. I mean, look, stuff stuff is starting to look legitimately cheap. You know, somebody pinged me about Disney today, and I was like a big Disney bear back in 2015. I was really hating on Disney. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I looked at the chart today, and I kind of I don't, I don't see a bottom anywhere in the near term, you know. And that's, it's not an outrageously expensive stock. Google is trading at 22 times, you know, pukes out a lot of cash. I mean, some of these, some of these stocks, I mean, earnings have come up in the last year and some of them are getting pretty cheap, but you can't really trade off a valuation. Like you can't, it's impossible to trade off a valuation. So. It, it, in this, in this environment, is that what you, it, when you say it's impossible to, right. Yeah. What, do you, what should they be looking at? Uh, well, I mean, every look, everybody has their own system. I mean, for me, I look at sentiment, you know. Um, but uh, it, valuation is one of these things where something looks cheap, you buy it, it gets even cheaper. You buy more, it gets even cheaper. And it just, like, it, it there, you know, there's, there's no bounds on valuation. Like, it can always get cheaper or more expensive, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another question, uh, Steve asking from YouTube, and I'm just going to cycle the questions in because I think people are looking at this and going to head into the weekend and just be like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what to do here. Are commodities and hard assets still money makers? Uh, it, the jury is out. I mean, look, the, the, the price action over the last week hasn't been great. Um, I think so. But I can tell you that if we are at peak inflation panic, Right. And inflation is at eight and a half percent and we'll probably get a couple higher prints. But, you know, if if inflation is going to be four or five percent, 12 months from now, commodities probably aren't a buy. They, they probably aren't. You know, so it depends. It depends on your inflation outlook. I mean, you can kind of go commodity by commodity. Like I'm long a ton of gold and I think gold does well for a bunch of reasons. Uh, and, you know, the ags, you know, for, because of the fertilizer situation should do well. But, yeah, I mean, if. If you think inflation is going to be lower 12 months from now, you just be careful. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because some, a lot of people piled into commodities, didn't they? A lot of people, we got a lot of questions on them at, at commodities, metals, that whole space saw a lot of interest and a lot of people move into it. Should they, you know, should they should they stay there if they're there? Does it depend on what price they got in? Or is this something that gets very dicey and you have to be careful? I also think commodities have the potential. I think I think it was Raul was talking about ag commodities when we were in California. California said they have the potential to mean reverse like very quickly and they could be brutal if you're in them. Yeah. I mean, the, when I, you know, when I, when I'm on Twitter, the, when people talk about stuff with the most intensity, it's usually commodities and particularly energy and uranium and uranium got tattooed yesterday. You know, I mean, we had this whole discussion the last time about the uranium a-holes yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I, I am <laughs> your not... New, your new friends. <laughs> I, yeah, I am not doing any sack dances. I'm not saying I told you so. But, like, what I said was that that, that trade was very crowded. And, you know, yeah. the uranium trade is kind of a microcosm for, you know, other commodity trades. I do think they got a bit crowded. I think oil is very crowded, so... Yeah, and, and, and this is, again, one of these time frame issues, right? I mean, there are... There are loads of discussions about some of these, you know, you can differentiate them out and have a discussion about uranium, a discussion about copper, a discussion about oil. And there's some different fundamentals around all of them. But if you're momentum playing it, um, you know, as you say, you're looking at what might be peak inflation. How are we going to know, Jared? I mean, I know you watch sentiment and you're right. It's everywhere. Every time you turn on the news, people are talking about how to save money on your grocery bills and how to deal with inflation. And. You know, it's kind of just front page news. Um, do you look at certain indicators? Um, you know, what what what's forward leaning on that? What's going to confirm your thought that inflation has peaked here? Uh, what is going to confirm my thought that inflation has peaked? I don't know. I mean, first of all, that's not really a call. Like, I'm not really saying that because I don't know. And I do think just because of the momentum of the basket that the BLS uses. I thought, I think we're going to get some higher prints. Um, but, uh, I mean, really, I think what's going to confirm that is the inverted yield curve. I mean, the bond market's going to tell you if you see tens go down to 2%, I mean, that just, it, you know, that tells you the inflation trade, maybe, I don't know if it's over or not, but it's at least on pause for a while. So. Yeah. And, you know, it can stay, it's rate of change and then, you know, how long it takes to drift down. Right. But the bond market's going to be looking, I presume, at that rate of change to see if it's still moving I higher. Mean, I, I just want to reiterate, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very bullish on bonds, obviously, but it really is the solution to a lot of problems. Like if you have a portfolio of stocks and commodities and other stuff, and over the last couple of days, it's gotten hit. Really, the, the hedge to that is bonds. I mean, it's not S&P mm. puts. It's not NASDAQ puts. Like, the best hedge is bonds. Like, if we get some kind of dislocation like 1987 or 94 or something like that, the bond market is going to rally a lot. It is. So it is, it, it is a very good hedge. That's a great point. Uh, and again, long duration, right? Yeah. Um, bonds. Uh, MLC from the RV site. Um, actually, there's a couple good ones here. Let's do this one. Michael B. What will happen if China devalues? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I actually, I saw some tweets about that just before I came on. Um, Zero Hedge had a piece on, uh, you know, the yuan trading off a bit. 
I, I really, I don't know the answer to that question. I'd like to make up some bullshit answer, but I really, I really don't know, you know? Yeah, I did, I did, a, a, I did an interview um, with Leland Miller from the China Beige Book International. Um, there's a lot of unknowns in China. It's very hard for people to, 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 especially if you're talking about the Yuan. I'm assuming that conversation is coming um, on the back of the moves in the yen and people wondering if that sort of forces the Yuan out of its ban. But very, very hard to gauge that. But there is, it does seem that there is an enormous amount of geopolitical risk out there and international risk. When you're talking about you know, things breaking and not really sure where it's coming from too, you always, I would think, would have to worry about emerging markets. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, really, I'm focused on the French elections. You know, um, I put on a trade with that. That is small trade. Um, there's there's like big geopolitical consequences if Le Pen wins. And the polls are showing Macron about 55, 45 ahead. Um, you could have the same phenomenon in 2016 in the U.S. where you had a lot of silent Trump voters. You probably have silent Le Pen voters. Uh, my discussion with Louis Gov, which I think is going to be posted soon, he talked about the fact that, you know, the infl- the election is on Sunday and uh, there's it's actually a French holiday. So a lot of Macron voters are going to be on vacation. So this is, you know, it, this is Sunday and it really we could wake up Monday morning to a different world. Um, so that's what I'm focused on in the near term. Mm. We. If we see, does it feel like today was any sort of capitulation or does it feel like this is just going to kind of continue into next week? And is there a downside for stocks? No, it doesn't feel like capitulation at all. And that's the problem. You know, one one thing in my experience as a trader, um, you know, because I used to, as an ETF trader, I would, you know, trade S&Ps and stuff like that. And, you know, when the market finishes on the low, what the market is telling you is that it's not done selling. You just ran out of time, right? It, like, basically, like, if the market, like, stayed open, it would have continued going down. So, like, basically, we just ran out of time today. There, there, we didn't have enough time to sell, and we're probably going to be down Monday morning. That's the way I interpret that. Yeah, always. And that's why it's never good when you, when you, you, you know, you have, like, a momentum wave down into the close. That's, that's, that doesn't feel good to anybody. And that certainly, and we, we, we tried to come back as I was watching it, as we were getting closer to the show, I thought, Oh, here we go. It kind of came back. It was only down maybe one and three quarters or something across the board. You saw equities try to rebound and then they just got washed out. That attempt got totally washed out. Um, and, and you closed on the lows. Uh, is, is there, are there any equities you're looking at or are you just completely staying away from that right now because of that downside risk? Uh, I mean, yeah, I have some long-term, I have some long-term holdings, which I'm going to hang on to. Um, you know, one of them I've talked about in the show before is Intel. You know, Intel is really more of a strategic holding uh, because of the China-Taiwan issue. So that's, you know, and that's one, that, you know, it's, I don't want to say it has a floor on valuation, but it's, it's a company that's basically going to be subsidized by the U.S. government. I don't think there's a lot of downside. You know, so as you're picking stocks, I mean, stocks like that are you know, where you, where you have sort of an implicit floor, not a lot of downside. I mean, that's okay. Uh, but let me put it this way. I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying any Kathy Wood stocks looking for 200% gains. And I don't think anybody is in this environment. So. Yeah, that's, but people, people watch that, right? People are watching some of those beat up areas and wondering, but um, it feels hard. 
in this kind of risk off. What about, um, I don't know if you're looking at digital or crypto, Jared. I did notice that although they were down, at least the last time I looked, they weren't down as much as they had been when we saw one of those real risk off days. I mean, I think Bitcoin was down two and a half percent. It might've accelerated a little at the close, but is that starting, is that still moving in lockstep uh, with all risk assets or is it starting to look like there's a little bit of decoupling there? Uh, I don't think there's any decoupling yet. I mean, it's still pretty strongly correlated with risk, uh, which actually makes me worried because, you know, I own some crypto and, you know, it's a long, I mean, it's a long-term holding, but um, no, I mean, I, I think if, if, if we had 10% downside in stocks, we'd probably have 20% downside in crypto for sure, you know. Oof. Yeah, it's not going to make a lot of people happy to hear that. You know, you mentioned. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You mentioned uh, bonds and treasuries, uh, longer duration as a place to hide. What about the rest of the bond market? What about corporates? What about high yields? Are you looking at any other parts of the uh, the bond market outside of U.S. Yes. treasuries, government yes, bonds? Yes, absolutely. I think the best place to look right now is munis. Munis are looking very attractive. Ah. Yeah, so... Um, Munis, we don't talk about them at all. No, I mean, you know, what's interesting is that munis got very expensive over the last couple of years. You know, you had muni bonds with 1% coupons and stuff like that. Um, but now they're starting to get a little bit yieldy. You know, the more high yield stuff is about 4% yields, which on an after-tax basis is like 6 6.5%. So that's starting to get interesting. So I'm, you know, I'm definitely sniffing around munis here. And that's the thing, like... You know, a lot of people say, you know, well, if I want to buy bonds, I should buy TLT. Well, that's kind of the knucklehead way to do it. Like if you want to have an allocation to fixed income in your portfolio, whether it's 20, 30, 40 percent, something like that, like you don't really want to be day trading TLT. I mean, you want to buy whether it's a closed end muni fund or a muni fund ETF. I mean, if you have a high income that you want to shield from taxes, like the yields on munis are pretty good right now. So as an asset class, I like it a lot. And will they hold up in a recessionary environment? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Balance sheets are good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the states, you know, I mean, this, you know, look, if we have a recession, you know, state revenues will go down. But I mean, you know, the fiscal position of most states right now is better than it has been in decades. So. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, there was a lot of work done. It's, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I, you know, I live in the state of New Jersey and all of our news today is the fact that uh, uh, this was legalized and we have a lot huge lines outside and Governor Murphy talking about how much tax revenue they expect to get from that. So uh, perhaps a, a little extra, extra added insurance on the, on the revenue side, even if we are in a, re a recessionary environment, at least for those states that have passed that. Um, how should people be thinking about coming into next week and positioning as we wrap up here, Jared? I mean, we heard Raul would just say, be careful. Um, what would you advise people be doing aside from really taking a hard look at, at their, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of amount of risks and the losses they can withstand if things get really ugly here? What, what would you tell them? 
Well, I mean, take a look at the fixed income allocation in your portfolio. I mean, I, my sus- suspicion is is that for a lot of people, it's pretty close to zero. And the reason it's zero is because we just had a period of about two or three years where interest rates were zero or close to it. Mm-hmm. So people were like, there's no reason for me to hold any fixed income at all. Um, you know, I've talked about the awesome portfolio and how you should have a, even a 20% allocation of fixed income. Like that's going to provide, that's going to, that's really going to eliminate a lot of the volatility in your portfolio. So, you know, it, like I said, instead of day trading TLT or buying TLT options or stuff like that, like really like make a strategic investment in munis or something like that. Fantastic advice. And nice to have a little hopeful note i think that there is something productive you can do here because i think a lot of people are feeling a lot of stress heading into the weekend so we appreciate that lifeline jared yeah well i mean look there's a bull there's always a bull market somewhere you know what i mean there's always something to do so that's (laughs) right that's right we're gonna we're gonna put that we're gonna tweet that out because we got to remember that i think it's easy to to feel like uh the the world ending here but there's always a bull market someplace we're gonna help you find it you certainly helped us today jared thanks so much thank you always appreciate you jared's gonna be rocking out this weekend playing a gig um so i hope that's fun jared enjoy and i'm gonna be geeking out uh listening to energy (laughs) and and maybe getting some more information about uranium we'll see uh but have fun everyone thanks so much for joining us uh have a great weekend we'll see you monday what's up revolutionaries thanks for tuning in to the real vision daily briefing for more content like this head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best brightest and biggest names in finance you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips and ads.com now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com